Welcome to the Positive Health Vibes Podcast, a series of fun, upbeat health, nutrition, and fitness chats. I'm your host, Shantae Allen, a certified fitness nutrition specialist and Pilates instructor. And today's topic is coffee, coffee, coffee. Did you know that more than 60% of Americans drink coffee on a daily basis and 20% take their coffee black? Well, not me. I'm usually in the 4% who use a milk alternative and in the 40% who add some kind of milk and sweetener. Yeah, I prefer a little almond or coconut milk and a little bit of raw sugar in my coffee. What about you? And do you brew it at home using a drip coffee maker, pour over or French press? Or are you in the half of more than 60% of Americans whose coffee comes out of a drive through window? According to the National Coffee Association, however you get your coffee, consumption has increased by 5% since 2015 and continues to increase with age. There are all different sorts of coffee for your brewing and sipping pleasure. A fancy mocha, latte, frappuccino, cappuccino, cafe au lait or classic espresso, and most have a particular taste for whether it's a hot, iced, light, medium, or dark roasted coffee. And the aromatic art and science of coffee roasting is the foundation for a good cup of coffee, and it all starts with the beans. When heat is added to coffee beans, chemical changes occur in the light, medium, medium dark, and dark roasting process that release an all too familiar, very inviting aroma and distinct coffee flavor. And unless you want decaf, the aroma and flavor are accompanied by a buzz of caffeine. Believe it or not, light roast has slightly more caffeine than the medium to dark roast. Light brown in color, it has no oil on the surface because the coffee beans weren't roasting long enough for the oil to emerge. The same with medium roast except the color is brown and the flavor is stronger than a light roast. Medium dark roast coffee is more of a dark brown color with just a little oil at the top and has a bittersweet flavor, while a dark roast is a rich dark brown color with an oily surface and a bitter taste. The bitter taste of a dark roast is an acquired taste that is more favored by the West Coast and those on the East Coast typically prefer light and medium roast and this is based on a survey conducted by the National Coffee Association. However, when comparing medium, medium dark and dark roast in a survey conducted by the National Coffee Association in 2016, medium roast was popular among 63% of Americans with 39% for dark roast and 11% for light. Seven in 10 Americans drink coffee at least once a week, and the youngest of those coffee drinkers are twice as likely to down some at lunchtime compared to the nine out of 10 older Java drinkers who enjoy theirs at breakfast. And then there are those who don't partake at all in one of the very coffeeest parts of coffee, the caffeine. Sure, the aroma and taste are buzzworthy, but some want their coffee without the buzz, and that's called decaf. Yeah, decaffeinated coffee. It's a thing. You see, there are levels to this. Less than 25% of Americans drink decaffeinated coffee, and what's interesting about decaf is it's not entirely caffeine-free. The decaffeination process removes about 97% caffeine, 
which leaves anywhere from 2 to 15 milligrams or an average of 7 milligrams of caffeine in an 8 ounce cup of decaf. Multiply that by 3 and you've got an average 21 milligrams of caffeine or 45 milligrams at the higher end, which is almost half the amount of the 95 milligrams of caffeine in an 8 ounce cup of regular brewed coffee. So if avoiding, reducing, or eliminating caffeine from the diet is the reason less than 25% of Americans drink decaf, those milligrams of caffeine are something to consider. All right, so if decaf still gives you a fraction of regular coffee's caffeine, what about the nutrition? Because there are nutritional benefits to drinking coffee, you know. So which cup is healthier, regular or decaf? Well, decaf coffee may contain similar amounts of regular coffee's nutrients, but some are lost during the decaffeination process in which nearly 80% of the decaf produced involves using chemical solvents. The most common chemical solvents used are ethyl acetate or methyl chloride. The Centers of Disease Control reports the following as risk of methyl chloride exposure. Dizziness, nausea, vomiting, visual disturbance, stagger, slurred speech, convulsions, coma, liver, kidney damage, liquid frostbite, teratogenic effects, and reproductive issues. And according to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, methyl chloride is used in paint stripping and removal manufacturing, metal cleaning and degreasing, and pharmaceutical manufacturing and has the least effect on changing the flavor of coffee. Basically, that's code for you can drink a cup of decaf with methyl chloride and won't even taste the difference. Would you like a refill? The Centers of Disease Control has found methyl chloride to be a potential occupational carcinogen, as was the case with the earliest effective commercial method used to decaffeinate coffee, known as the Resilius process, invented in 1903 and patented in 1906 by Ludwig Resilius in Germany. The coffee beans were steamed with a brine solution, like salt water, and then benzene, which is an organic chemical compound, was the solvent used to extract the caffeine. However, like today's methyl chloride, benzene is considered to be carcinogenic, so the Resilius process is no longer used. Today's commercial methods for decaffeinating coffee still involve using solvents like methyl chloride because in 1985, the FDA found the amount used in the caffeine removal process too low to be a potential health risk. And then there's ethyl acetate, which is considered to be a natural solvent alternative, but it's not abundant enough to be cost-effective for most coffee manufacturers, so they'll usually use a synthetic version made of ethyl alcohol and acetic acid. Fortunately, there are more natural, non-solvent processes like the Swiss water process and the carbon dioxide process that are used to make decaffeinated coffee. The Swiss water process, or SWP, was developed in Switzerland in 1933, adapted as a commercial method by Coffex in 1980, and introduced to the market in 1988. The Swiss water method is chemical-free, 99.9% caffeine-free, and has been certified organic by the Organic Crop Improvement Association, or OCIA, and Aurora Certified Organic, and kosher by the Kosher Overseers Association. During SWP, coffee beans are placed in very hot water to dissolve the caffeine, and the water is filtered with an activated charcoal filter. Caffeine molecules are captured during the filtration process, the caffeine-free beans are discarded, and the caffeine-free coffee remains. 
1967, Kurt Zossel, a scientist of the Max Planck Institute, developed the carbon dioxide process, where the carbon dioxide, or CO2, replaced the use of chemical solvents. Coffee beans are soaked in water, then placed in a steel container called an extraction vessel. Once sealed, the coffee is pressurized with CO2 at 1,000 pounds per square inch to extract caffeine, and then is transferred to an absorption chamber that releases the pressure of the CO2 to remove the caffeine and preserve the flavor of the coffee. Provided that your flavorful cup of decaf was made using the Swiss water or carbon dioxide process, it will be free of chemicals and filled with almost the same amount of nutrients as a regular cup of coffee. Yes, a small percentage of nutrients are lost during the decaf process and it is more acidic than regular coffee, but a cup will provide B vitamins like riboflavin, pantothenic acid, niacin, and minerals like manganese, magnesium, potassium, and antioxidants. Coffee is naturally rich in antioxidants like polyphenols, which are known to reduce the risk of heart disease, cafestol, which modulates bile acid in the intestines and acts as an anti-inflammatory in the brain, hydroxycinnamic acids, which help fight oxidative stress, chlorogenic acid, a phenolic compound that studies have shown to lower blood pressure, trigonoline, an antioxidant compound with antibacterial properties that may help prevent dental caries and enhance the aroma of coffee, along with melanoidins that add to the smell of coffee and have both antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties, and quinine, an antioxidant compound that contributes to a coffee's flavor's bitter taste and has been used to treat malaria. And there are many health benefits of the caffeine in a regular cup of coffee. Can we start with a boost of energy, mood, and brain function? Not only have studies shown that coffee improves energy levels and enhances the mood and reduces depression, but it also may help improve mental focus, cognitive function, memory, and may help reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease, dementia, and Parkinson's disease. There was a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences where researchers from the Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson School of Medicine found a fatty acid substance in coffee beans waxy coating called eicosanoil 5-hydroxytryptamide, or EHT, uh, that protects the brains of mice against dementia and Parkinson's disease. When EHT is paired with caffeine, the combination boosts the activity of a catalyst that helps prevent the accumulation of the harmful proteins associated with Parkinson's disease and the most common type of dementia known as Lewy body dementia. While research on the effects in adults' coffee consumption has on reducing these types of brain disease, health and medical professionals can attest to the brain health benefits of a cup of coffee. Other health benefits are improving athletic performance, boosting the metabolism to help burn fat and reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes, liver, and colorectal cancer. On the other hand, researchers have not determined whether decaffeinated coffee is as beneficial for liver health, and it's also been linked to raising LDL or bad cholesterol and decreasing HDL or good cholesterol based on an American Heart Association study where 187 participants consumed either caffeinated or decaffeinated coffee for three months. The study concluded that decaf decreases HDL good cholesterol by up to 30% and research on the effect it has on liver and heart health still continues. 
However, there is still a slim percentage of Americans who prefer decaf over regular coffee because the caffeine in regular coffee may affect their conditions such as hypertension, caffeine addiction, anxiety, insomnia, digestive issues, thyroid and metabolism issues like hyperglycemia, or might make them feel nauseous, get a headache, feel dizzy, or simply give them the jitters. And for those who enjoy regular coffee but wonder if they're drinking too much and need to cut back, everyone's body is different, but the FDA recommends that healthy adults consume no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, which is about four to five cups of coffee. And of course, that all depends on how you like your coffee. If you're feeling real fancy, that's 63 milligrams for a 1 to 1.75 ounce shot of espresso, or 125 milligrams for a double shot of espresso. But for the more than 60% of Americans who drink brewed coffee daily for the aroma, rich flavor, health perks like a boost of energy, mood, focus, and performance, when you're pouring coffee in your favorite coffee mug, that would be between 70 to 140 milligrams of caffeine per cup, with 95 milligrams being the average, for an eight ounce cup of brewed coffee, that's good to the last drop. <sighs> to learn more about the health benefits of coffee or links to health studies mentioned in this podcast or to schedule a complimentary nutrition consultation with me, send an email to Shantae, that's C-H-A-N-T-A-Y at OceansideNutritionPilates.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Health Vibes podcast. Tune in weekly and be inspired to enjoy a healthier lifestyle.